Hey, let's open our Bibles up to the book of Haggai. Haggai. That's another one of these uh, ones that is difficult to find. It's the second shortest book. The first shortest book in the Old Testament is Obadiah, and then, and then here we have Haggai. And uh, I feel sorry for the guy that his parents named him that. <clears throat> But it is what it is, and he's the only guy that we know in the Bible that has that particular name. So, a little review here. If we could put that on this, put that computer on the screen for me. There we go. The five sections of the Old Testament. How many are there? Five, twelve, five sections, and the numbers are what? Yeah, there you go. First one is law. Second one? History. Major prophets. Minor prophets. Major prophets and minor prophets. I was going to say there's some profit in us studying the prophets, but that would be kind of dull. What? What? Last week we looked at the book of Zephaniah, and again, I keep getting surprised by the, the meat and the jewels that are found in these, uh, these minor prophets. I, you know, and I've read them you know, many times, but it's just like when you try to put it together and try to understand what's happening, I just, my eyes are like open to some of the wonderful things there. So the book of Zephaniah, just a little bit of review, was about the day of the Lord. That the day of the Lord was coming and, and God would, would have his way. But, you know, for those that would repent, those that would humble themselves and turn to him, there was a, it was a day of hope. It was a day of blessing. Now, Zephaniah was one of the last prophets before the fall of Judah, the fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. Okay, we're going to have a little history as we go along here, because it, it helps to kind of get the picture of what's happening. So he was one of the last prophets, and, and he gave this divine warning that, listen, judgment's coming. And the, and the question is, would they respond to it? It was an exhortation to repent, to turn, because the day of the Lord was coming. And that humility always leads to hope. But I want you to turn back one page to Zephaniah chapter 3, because some of the verses in there, I just want you to, again to read them with me. And know where they are. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 12. But I will, I will leave within you the meek and the humble who trust in the name of the Lord. And then jump down to verse 14. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud. That's what we were talking about, Psalm 8, 98. O Israel, be glad. Rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you, and never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. In verse 17, my favorite, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. 
The hope for God's people, those that would turn to him, is incredible. That's so, so beautiful. So now, moving ahead to the next book, the book of Haggai, uh, we see that what, what it's really about is, is about priorities and procrastination. Now, I know that none of you ever uh, deal with these two things, right? Any of, you, any of you ever have problems with priorities or procrastination? You say that fast. Try it. I got to have some water. That's really hard. Priorities and procrastination. You know, I, I don't know. I, I struggle with these things. Sometimes they get out of whack, right? We, we're, we, we're, we're not doing the things. We're not the, the important things we're, we're leaving out. And we're doing the things that are not so important. Or we're, we're procrastinating. We, we, we know they're important. We know things are important. But we're not doing them because we'll, we'll get to them one day. Someday I'll, I'll do that. And we're going to see that's just what was happening here in the book of Haggai. So things have not changed much. Now, this book was written about 520 B.C. So add that to, you know, 2018, 520 B.C. That's what? 25 something. That's a long time ago, but things have not changed. We still struggle with what's important, doing what's important. We still struggle with putting off things, procrastinating. Now, back to this history lesson. Uh, as I said, in 586, Judah, which was also known as the Southern Kingdom, they were taken into captivity. They were take, taken in, into exile. They were taken out of the land of Israel by who? Anybody know? By the Babylonians, right. So they were taken out by the Babylonians in 586 B.C., now, it wasn't too long after that, about, uh, about 35 years or so, that Babylon was conquered by the Persians. Okay, Babylon, again, they were, they were like the Assyrians where they thought, you know, hey, we are so big, we're too big to fail. Nobody's ever going to stop us. Nobody's ever going to bring us down. And guess what? They were brought down. They were brought down by the Persians. Now, not long after the Persians took power, there was a guy named Cyrus, and in 538 B.C., Cyrus, he issued a decree. Now, you're saying, why are you telling us all this? Because it's important to understand where this book fits in. He issued a decree that allowed the Jews to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. Okay, so that's 5, 538 B.C., and, 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 and these dates are pretty accurate. They're very, very precise. So he issued this decree, Cyrus did, for them to go back. And there was a guy named Zerubbabel. Say that name with me. Another, another name. How could you ever name your child something like that? I don't know. But there was this guy named Zerubbabel, and he went back again. They were taken out of the land of Israel, right, by force. There was a few scra you know, stragglers left there. But they were taken out of the land by force, and they're now in, the, in Babylon, which is now you know, controlled by the Persians. And this leader says, you can go back and rebuild the temple. He had a soft spot for whatever. God moved on his heart, and he said, you can go back. So Zerubbabel, with about 50,000 Jews, went back to the land of Israel, right? Are you with me so far? Okay, so they've gone back to the land of Israel. You can read about that in the book of Ezra. 
And it, you know, a lot more detail is, is spelled out there. And they got to the land of Israel. They, they rebuilt the altar so that sacrifices could be made. And then they began to rebuild the temple because that's what Cyrus said they could do. They could go back and rebuild the temple. And they got the foundation built. But they started having some opposition from neighbors, people around. People around the area, they didn't like what they were doing. And so they, they, they started to face opposition. And so what did they do? They stopped. Okay? I'm sure, I, I don't know if you think about it, I'm sure that they were very excited when they, you know, they left where they were, 50,000 of them, and they left and they got this opportunity to go back home and to rebuild the temple. I'm sure there was a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of excitement, right? Understand? Make sense? And so they got there and they started, you know, they started off really well. They started off with all this excitement. They, as I said, they rebuilt the altar. They rebuilt the, the foundation of the temple. But now they have, they've just stopped. They stopped doing what they were doing. And in the end, what happened was they got lethargic. And their priorities got messed up. And, pro, and procrastination uh, set in, and, they, and they, it kept them from doing what they came to do, what they wanted to do. How long was it? Well, it took them about two years to get to the place where the, where the foundation was built, but this is now 16 years. 16 years they had stopped. Now, the, the opposition was already dealt with. They, you know, they, the opposition was silenced, more or less. And, and you could say, well, what's going on now? Why, did they, you know, why didn't they get back in there and do what they had gone there specifically to do? We're going to see. That's what happens here. There, there's a message from God in this that, that gets repeated in the book of Haggai over and over. And he says this, to give careful thought to your ways. Over and over, we're going to read it here in, a, in just a minute. And then, and then the, the, this thought here of, of uh, you know, what's first in your life? In terms of prior, priorities, are, you know, we, we put the most important things at the top, right? We prioritize what's important. So what's important in your life? What's important in my life? And Jesus said, and this is our anchor verse out of the New Testament, Matthew 6, 33, which we've all heard many times. But seek first his kingdom. Whose? God's kingdom. And his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. He was talking in the context there. He's talking about the things that, that the unbelievers, they were, they were, that's all they were consumed with. You know, I, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What am I going to drive? What am I going to, you know, where am I going to live? All the things of this life, that was, they were consumed with that. But Jesus said... Your father knows that you need all those things. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those things will be given to you as well. It doesn't mean you don't work. It doesn't mean you don't do what you need to do. But he says in priority, what's important first, know that, it's, that God is going to take care of you. So the, all that is kind of an introduction to this book of Haggai. Hopefully it'll kind of make some sense as we get into it, as you see what's happening. One person said this, when the people give priority to God in his house, they're blessed. 
I think one of the biggest questions that happens to you and I is this, what happens when we leave him out? What happens when we leave him out? Because we can do that, can't we? We can leave him out of our lives, leave him out in our, in our thinking, leave him out in our planning, leave him out in, in all the areas of our lives. What happens to us when we leave him out? Let's, let's see if there's some answers in this book. Let's start in on chapter 1, Haggai, verse 1. It says, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. So this word came, Haggai, again, he's a prophet, and God is speaking through him, and he's speaking, first of all, to who? To the leaders, right? The leaders, they were there, and, and they're supposed to be leading but now, 16 years later, it, you know, the, the temple is still in a shambles. Oh, there's a foundation there, but, but it's still, you know, there's nothing built on top of it. So the word of the Lord came first to the leaders. And I think there's something in that. The leaders uh, have a, a greater responsibility. Leaders need to lead, right? They need to step out and, and, and understand what God wants and what, what's important. Leaders need to be, uh, you know, looking at the priorities in their own lives. Very, very important. So he speaks to Zerubbabel, who was like the civil leader, and Joshua, who was like the, the spiritual leader. He was the high priest. Zerubbabel was the governor. This is what, verse 2, the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. And then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Whoa. This is starting to get a little personal, isn't it? This is what the Lord Almighty says, and in the book of of Haggai in the books of Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, it's used 90 times. The Lord Almighty. He says, the people say, it's not time. Now, who was he talking to? Who did I say he was talking to? The leaders, right? He's talking to the leaders, and he says, but the people say, so that means that the leaders weren't leading, right? They're just listening to what everybody says, and that's what we're going to do. That's not leading. You take a survey. Well, uh, you know, uh, let's raise a hand, see who, you know, should we rebuild, uh, go back and start rebuilding the temple again? Nobody raised their hand, so I guess we shouldn't. The people all say there's no time. It's not the time. Let's just put it off. That's not being a leader, first of all. So he's speaking to them. But I think this message comes to the people as well. As we'll see, they are included as we move on here. And, and I think even what he's saying here in verses 3 and 4. Now, now, is he speaking just to the leaders? Perhaps the leaders, where they were really building up their houses... The people say, it's okay for the people, so you know, I'm going to build up my house and make it really fancy, really nice. But yet, 
God's house is being neglected. The priorities are all mixed, mixed up. Procrastination, you know, it's not time. And he says, oh, really? Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? You know, we, we have a lot of good excuses, I think. We're good at, we're good at excuses. Are you good at excuses? I'm, good, I'm really good at excuses. You know, we can blame the opposition. You know, it got really hard and they were really fighting against us, so we had to, like, take a break. But 16 years of a break? But see, that, that's what happens with, with putting off things, procrastinating. The longer you put it off, the harder it is to get back to it, right? You know what I'm talking about. But as we give careful thought to our ways and we say, well, what's really important? What's really important in, in life? What's really important as a believer, as a follower in Jesus? He says, you have time for yourselves. You have time for your own stuff. I think there's a picture that's starting to emerge. Is God really first in our lives? Was God really first in their lives? Oh, you know, those people back then, yeah, I see what they were doing, but that, you know, I, ne I would never do that. That would never happen to me. Is it a time? You know, we, we say things like this, when I have more time, I'll, I'll get to that. We say, you know, oh, the weather's bad, you know. I, I can't really do that right now. I can't get involved. You know, I've got too much to do. I've got too many things to take. I've got too many TV programs. I've got, you know, I can't get involved right now. I can't help out because I can't make it to church. You know, the weather, you know, I saw a cloud in the sky. You know, my, you know, my, my car is kind of dirty, so I can't really drive that car to church. Someone might see it. You know, I need to clean the windows of my house. I can't, I can't, no, I, you know, so, so many things. You see, the priorities, well, yeah, are those things important? Yeah, of course they are, but what's more important? Priorities means what's more important. Again, I, I think they were excited, they were enthusiastic when they first got there. What happened? Something happened. Got lazy, you said? Yeah, that's part of it too. They got lazy with certain things. And isn't that true? We can be lazy with these things over here, but we're not lazy over here. We've got this favorite hobby, this favorite, you know, thing that we like to do, this favorite sport. You know, we're not lazy when it comes to getting out on the golf course. We're not lazy when it comes to walking however far you got to walk, but, but you, know, you, you know, to get out of my car to walk into the church, I don't know if I can do I'm just really tired today. You know. I put in 18 holes yesterday, so, you know, I can't seem to get, get with it. You know, we joke about that, but, but it's true. This is the way we are. This is, this is what happens to us. And I think, and I, you know, I'm not just saying this because I need you here on a Sunday. This is, this is kind of like for, for, for all of our spiritual lives, all the aspects of our spiritual life. Church is just one aspect. This applies to all the other aspects of our spiritual life as well. Look at verse 5. 
Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Four times in this book he, he gives a statement like that. But it gets interesting now. Look at verse 6. He says, you have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Wow. What's he saying there? What is he talking about? He says, think about what's going on. Think about what's going on in your life. He says, you, you're doing all these things, all these things that you think are so important, but are they really doing anything for you? You know, you eat a big meal. I don't know about you, but when you eat, when you, when you eat something, you don't really like it, and you can eat a lot of it, but are you satisfied? No. You're not satisfied. It's, it's, it's this kind of stuff he's talking about here, you know, this disappointment in the things of life, this, this kind of futility that, that you might feel. What's going on? I can't seem to get ahead. I put out lots of effort, and I get not much back. I put stuff into a, a purse, into a bank account or whatever, and it's like there's a hole in the bottom, right? And it, it just kind of leaks out. Why, why did he bring that here? He says, because, because, again, seek first the kingdom of God. If you put him first, these things, it's not going to be that way. He says it in verse 7. Look what he says. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. That's two times just in a few verses. Give careful thought to your ways. Verse 8, go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. He tells him what to do. What, what's going on? Why, why is it like this? He says, you need, this is what you need to do. You need to build the house. That's what you came to do. That's what, you know, you signed up with those 50,000 others. You signed up, let's go back. We're going to build the temple. It's going to be so exciting. It's going to be so great. And then I, you know, had a little opposition. And then, and then we, we stopped. And then we got busy doing other things. And the spiritual things aren't that important anymore. I, I, you know, i got to take care of this garden. You know? Hey, we all have projects to do around, you know, the stuff that we have. You know what? I, sometimes I think we got so much stuff. It's like we spend so much of our time managing the stuff. Moving it around. From this place to that place. And it takes so much of our time. Like, what? You know, and, and I'm, I'm one of the worst uh, offenders here. I go out every, on these yard sales and I get more stuff. My wife says, I'm going <sighs> to stop bringing the stuff. <laughs> stop bringing the stuff. I don't know. I I'm going to just tell you this right now. You know, we decided not to have a yard sale this year. Why? Because we don't want all your stuff brought over here. Because then we got to deal with all your stuff. We got enough stuff here already that we got to deal with. I'm serious. So somebody said, you know what? I would just, I would just give the money so we wouldn't have to do all this. And we, we went back to him and said, okay, really? Okay, let's do it. And he said, did I say that? Oh, lordy, lordy. 
get wood. They had to go up into the mountains. They had to put a little effort out. Go up into the mountains and get the wood and bring it down and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. You see, there was something in this, there was something very special in this that as we, as we, as we get our spiritual priorities uh, straight, as we build the house of God and, and the temple of God, and I, I want to say this, is not just this building. The Bible talks about you and I corporately being a temple of the Holy Spirit, and you and I individually as believers are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So... What do we need to do to build the house, to build the temple, to, to, to as it said here, to, that the Lord would take pleasure in it? That's cool, don't you think? That, that we would honor Him. Now, I guess you could say, you know, there's some kind of honor uh, to the Lord in, in, in uh, you know, that we take care of the property we have. Let's say our yards aren't, you know... Uh, you know, completely overgrown and that, and people know that we're believers, so there was some honor in the Lord in, you know, taking care of what we have. I guess that's true. But in the spiritual realm, to honor Him, that His name would be honored, because we put Him first. We're not afraid to let people know that we put Him first. Uh, I told this story at the men's breakfast a few weeks ago, but a friend of ours, Scott uh, Boren, uh, who was in Nashua, New Hampshire, pastoring a church there, and, and uh, I thought it was thunder and lightning. I thought the Spirit was coming down right now, and we're going to just shout. No. Scott Boren, he... Uh, God is moving them to Maryland, okay? The, it was time, uh, you know, for them to leave New Hampshire and to move to Maryland. And, and so uh, he went down there, and, and he had just a, uh, a weekend to have some job interviews and to look for a house and everything like that. And, and so he had a, a job interview with a, with a man, and, and this man, he, he, you know, he, he only got in... Uh, because he told him he only had so much time, and but this guy was very, very busy, and he, he fit him into his schedule somehow. So he's, sit, he's sitting now with this guy and having this job interview, right? And the guy is talking about everything and anything except the job. And he's going like, okay. And, and then he, he, he asks, you know, he asks him, well, do you have any questions? He's, and, and Scott says, well, I, I was just wondering about the job, you know. <laughs> You know, like you, we talked about everything and anything, and and uh, you know, and the guy said, "Well, you know, I've been interviewing you." He wanted to find out what kind of a person he was, you see. And then, the, and then the guy said this to him. He said, "So, what is your work ethic like? What is your work ethic like?" And now, when I heard that, I thought I, I would have would have thought, "Well, you know, I work really hard and." And, 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 but this is what Scott said to him. He said, you know, he said 14 or I think it was 14 or 17 uh, years ago, I made a decision that God would be first in my life, that, that, that Jesus would be my Savior, that I gave my life to him. And, and he said, so he's first in my life. And so he is, 
you know, if, if somebody asks me to do something that is immoral or unethical or against the, what the Bible says, I have to follow him first. And he says, but if it's not any of those things that I'm going to work so hard, I'm going to do everything, I'm going to go over and above to do everything that I need to do. Now, how many of you would answer that question in a job interview, that God's first in your life? Radical, huh? The rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, the guy said, well, you know, 12 years ago, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I've been trying to follow him too. Long story short, he got the job. He's, he's uh, going to be down there working in just a couple of weeks, and, and that, I think it was that same day or the very next day, God opened up a house for them. We're, 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 when you put God first... He's going to take care of those things. They went and, you know, they went to look at a house and, and, and they found out that the house was already sold. But this guy comes up and he, he, he said he looked like a plumber or whatever. He said, well, this guy might know about the neighborhood. And he asked him, he said, yeah, but, but he said, the, the, my wife is the listing agent for that house that was next door. And so let me go get her. And he goes in and gets her. She comes out and says, yeah, that house is sold, but there's one exactly like it just around the corner. So he takes them around the corner, and sure enough, that house was available, available, and they got that house that same day. You see, the point of this is when we're following after God, he's going to open the doors. We don't have to kick and fight and scream. When we put him first and not put him off, let me say that again, because I thought that was kind of clever. <laughs> put him first, not put him off. Well, God, yeah, I'm going to have my devotions you know, later, but i got, you know, I got to do all this stuff. i got to take care of all these things. And it becomes three weeks and three months and three years before we've ever even had any kind of devotional life. What? How does that happen? And God's saying, I'm here. I'm waiting. Did you think all that was in this little book of Haggai? No way. Let's read on because we've got to finish this up quick. Verse 9. He said, you know, go up and get wood, bring it down, build the house so I may take pleasure in it and be honored. Verse 9. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces on men and cattle and on the labor of your hands." Why? Because we belong to him if we're one of his. And he says, you know, i got to get your attention some way, somehow. There's more of this disappointment, more of this, this futility. It's like you're going one step forward and two steps back. Why? Because our priorities are, are misplaced. Verse 12. Then... After hearing from God, then Zerubbabel, 
son of Shealtiel, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai. Because their Lord, the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord, what did they do? They obeyed. They said, I'm going to do. They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. I'm going to do what God asks us to do. I'm going to listen to him. It was the leaders first, but then also the whole remnant, also the people as well. Are we going to do what God asks us to do? You know, I've seen it so many times in so many different ways. When we leave him out, and then we expect him to bless us. When we, we decide we're not going to do it his way, and we expect him to bless us. We want to be married, but we're not going to do it his way. We're not going to have a Christian home. We're not going to you know, make decisions and priorities in our spiritual lives, but we still expect him to bless us. There's something wrong with that picture. Something wrong. Verse 13. After they obeyed, they, their hearts were right. They said, okay, we're going to do what, we're going to get, we're going to get back on track here. We're going to do what's right. And then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. Very simple message. God's response, what does he say? I am with you, declares the Lord. I am with you. I don't know how he was saying that. He said, you know, I'm with you. You can say it a bunch of different ways, but I think the, the important thing is that when we're, when we're going his way, doing it his way, he's right there with us. When we're out there doing our own thing, oh yeah, he's, he's still you know, got his hand on us in a different way, but, but he's not involved in all that stuff. When we've left him out of it, how can, he, how can he be? We've left him out. But when we put him in the middle, in the center, he says, I'm with you. I'm with you. Isn't that what they needed? Isn't that what you and I need? Last two verses there, verse 14 and 15. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. On the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. They got moving. They got busy. First the leaders and then the people. And God, by his spirit, stirred them up as well. Zechariah, the, the next book, which we're not going to get to in this series, but Zechariah says, you know, not by might. And not by power, but what? By my spirit. He stirred them up. And, and, and when we're heading in his direction, doing what he wants us to do, he's going to give us the energy to do what he wants us to do. He never asks us to do something he won't equip us and give us the strength to do. Never. Never says go out and do it on your own. Never, ever. Warren Wearsby said, God's people, they rise up. And they put God first in their lives. They rise up and put God first. So 
We're not going to get to chapter 2 today. We're going to look at that next week. We'll finish this very short book next week. But I, I, in this book, I wanted just to split it up into two weeks. But I'm thinking about this and, you know, in our own lives, in, in, you know, in our own situations, our own hearts, our priorities. Are, are they straight? You know, we need to stop putting him off. Stop putting him off and put him first. In, in this whole area of, of a devotional life, it's got to be that way. In our, in our walk with him, in, in, in our fellowship. You know, Acts 2.42 says, you know, that there were, there were these priorities. The early church, they, you know, they, it was important to them. They, they had God's word, you know, the teaching of the apostles. They had the fellowship. They had the breaking of pre- uh, bread and they had prayer. These were important things and, and to neglect them and to put them off. Well, I'm going to get to that sometime, someday. It's a decision that we make. God, I'm going to do what you want. I'm going to follow your way. And guess what? He says, I'm with you. Guess what? He says, I'm I'm pleased with you. Guess what? I'm honored by that. Guess what? I'm going to take care of all that other stuff. Don't you, you know, fret and worry about all those things. I'm going to take care of you. Is this making any sense to you? You know, know, this stirred me up too, you know, in in different areas in my life, like, like what, what, what's really important? What, what is, what have I got to work on? And, and it's kind of stirred me up too about this property here as well. Now, yeah, I had a good excuse, you know, uh, I had a heart attack. Okay, so what? You know, a good excuse I could, you know, put off doing, you know, things around here and getting, you know, fired up about this place. But, you know, it's been 13 months now. I could let it become 13 years, right? I'll never do another thing. But you know what? we got to take care of this place. God's given it to us. And I know that it's got to start with me and the other leaders that are in this church. We've got to step up and say, what do we need to do here? You know, the carpets are in horrible shape. There's stuff that we need to do. Look around. This is your church. This is not my church. This is our church. Look around, you know, are there things that we need to do? Well, maybe you and I can't do it. Maybe we can hire somebody to do it. Maybe we need to do that. Maybe we need, you know, we need to help uh, put in to help support it. We, we've been praying and talking about a project out in front here to, to make it clear for people to know where is the front door on that church, right? I have no idea. It looks like you go up those stairs, right? Well, a little history lesson, it used to be that. Because this church was built, that first section was built there. That was the church. And then they added this L here, right? They added this part. So, but the plans that they had, this is interesting, the plans that they had, and we still have the plans, the plans they were going to build a sanctuary out on our, uh, the Green Meadow, they had plans to build a 500-seat sanctuary out there. So it would have been, from the parking area, it would have been very obvious, like, where you go. Right? Because it, you can look and see, well, that's where everybody's going in over there, right? But the Navy left. The church was booming. The Navy left, and so it never got any further than this part. Okay? So, so we've been praying about this for a long time. 
We actually have money now to do it. We, 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 had, we were stopped about three years ago. We didn't have any money. But now we have money. So now we've got to get on the stick. We've got to do what we need to do, figure these things out. It's not easy to know exactly how to do it, but we just got to take steps to do what we've got to do, right? So I'm hoping by, by, you know, before the end of this year that we get this finished out here. It's not going to happen in, in a week's time, but, but I don't see why we can't get this done in the fall, right, before the winter comes. We have a, you can look, at there's a big board back there that kind of gives you an idea. That's perhaps not exactly how it's going to be, but, it, you know, we've got some really good ideas. Really good ideas. But that's for all of us, right? There are other projects that, you know, that we need to do. We need to fix up different areas. We need to, you know, work in different areas and, and other areas that we have never even touched, the youth group area, for example, the office area, for example, we've never actually even painted the walls in those areas. And this is 10 years, mind you. Now, it's been functional. We can use it in everything. But do you kind of get what I'm saying? We've got to take care of what we have here. And, and it has to happen from every one of us, not just one person, not just three or four people. But I think, I think it's indicative if we don't take care of this place, it's going to be kind of indicative of, of what our spiritual priorities are in our own lives as well. Now, we don't need a mansion, right? We, we, I like things simple, right? We, you know, we, we don't need things really, really fancy. We've said that from the beginning. We don't need it all fancy, but we need it to be decent and nice. So that's what our goal is. This message isn't all about a building, right? But it's a good opportunity to talk about some of the things that we would like to do. And I think that we need to do. So, let's not leave him out. I think he's pleased. I think he's honored when we put him first. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you that... that uh, in a sense, you put us first when you sent your son to die on that cross for us that we could have eternal life, that we could go to heaven, that we could be with you forever and ever. You really started it all off. and You loved us first. And we love you because you first loved us. You gave us everything and and what more can we do but to give you everything? Because you are the Lord Almighty. You are, as it said in this chapter, our God. A God that's, that should be worshipped and honored and followed and listened to. God, we need help with that, of course. But forgive us for going after so many other things and, and being so distracted by so many things and and then not even having time for you in our lives. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, and I know you will, and as we get it right, you'll, you'll, you'll remind us that I'm with you. I am with you, he says, to you and to me. Lord, I thank you for the cross. And again, as we, as we give an opportunity for any, perhaps, that have never received Jesus Christ to Open your heart and life to him. Just simply, simply say yes. Say, dear Jesus, 
I want you in my life. I want you as my Lord, as my Savior. Today. Here, now. I thank you that you gave your life for me, Jesus, so that I could have life. Help me to follow you, to honor you, that you would be pleased. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing, shall we?